Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. So, Father, we just welcome you into this room, Lord. We ask that you come and you pour out your love in our hearts, that you would illuminate the scriptures to us, God. We want to know you in a greater way. We want to understand the depths of your love for us, and we want to just grow in an understanding of who you are. And we just pray that tonight that you would speak to us, that you would challenge our hearts, that you would grow us, Lord, and that you would... um, just be here, Father, and you'd speak through me, and that your blessing would be upon tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so the title of my message is Turning Worry and Fear into Godly Concern. So I've been just thinking about this the last few weeks, is uh, how as humans, we have a tendency to start with having a concern in our lives, and then it kind of escalates. It goes on a progression. Sometimes it goes from concern into worry and anxiety, and then it turns into fear. So my heart tonight is that we would know how to turn that fear and worry and anxiety in our lives into a godly concern that the Lord wants us to have. And so I'm going to start off by just talking about concern and looking at a couple Bible verses that have those term that term in them and uh, hopefully kind of shed light to even the importance of carrying some level of concern in our own lives. So I don't know about you guys, but when I have a concern, I am way more prone to pray than if I don't. So if I have somewhat of a concern about obviously like America, about salvations or family or something's going on with my loved ones or whatever it is, then I'm going to pray more about that. And so I feel like we need to have some level of godly concern in our lives and um, but not to the point where that concern weighs us down or causes us to carry just this heavy burden because the word says Matthew eleven thirty, but his yoke is his burden is easy and his yoke is light, and so you know we need to have some level of a godly concern that we could be moved to prayer because God sometimes places things on our hearts for a time and season because He wants us to pray for that situation or that person. I know I've experienced that before where. God has really put a person on my heart to pray for on a daily basis. And then sometimes that, that burden will begin to lift or when God breaks through, like it begins to lift. And I know that he has put something on me for a season and then it lifts. Um, and then he'll put something else on me, a concern or this, you know, this feeling of, I I need to lift this up in prayer. So anyway, I want to kind of shed light on the fact that, you know, having a godly concern is, is actually a good thing. Okay, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 
Now, this is Paul. He is this, uh, the paragraph before. It's all talking about his sufferings for Christ. He went through a lot of things for the sake of Jesus. And he went through sleeplessness and persecution and beatings and fastings. And you can read it yourself about the 40 stripes minus one that he's received five times. He, he received beat, beatings and, uh, and just a lot of things that he went through for the sake of, of Jesus and for being a follower of Christ. And verse 28 says, besides the other things, which he just mentioned, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. So I was just thinking, you know, just a week or a couple weeks ago about what that word means, concern. And so I looked it up in the original Greek. The original Greek word is muramana. Now, I might probably did not say that correctly. I'm not a Greek scholar. But that word actually means care or anxiety. So he had this care, this anxiety that, um, for the churches. And, you know, he, Paul was the one that wrote Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be worried about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, let your, let the peace of God or present your request to God and let the peace of God then transform your heart and your, your mind in Christ Jesus. And so he knew that in order to have peace, he needs to pray and give his cares to the Lord and worship the Lord. So he, he knew that. And so, but it says here that he had this deep care, anxiety, concern for the churches. Now, I don't believe that Paul's concern for the churches was selfish, but it was, or it was just this worriness or this destructive fretfulness that he was experiencing, but it was motivated, motivated by love. It's not a sin to have a, to care deeply about God's people. That is a good thing, and that's what he had. And I believe that's why Paul was so effective in his life, is because he possessed this level of concern that led him into action. You know, he's the one that wrote most of the New Testament. So he's the one that really has shaped the church and the history of the church by the things that he's written about his life, about the life of Jesus, and about just insights God's given him. I mean, he he was. I mean, he's one of the most mighty men to ever live for the Lord, and uh, and just you know, he he obviously was very fruitful. And so I believe part of his fruit was because he he had this deep concern and this care for the churches that led him to action, that led him to prayer, that led him to preaching, that led him to writing the scriptures and dialoguing with the Lord. And so he, he, he knew the weight of, of uh, being a late leader, and he knew that, and he understood that. And I've, I've heard this saying before, you lead, you bleed. And I feel like Paul has probably understood that more than anyone else. And I kind of understand a little bit, just being a, a leader in, in a ministry and uh, feeling that a little bit. But sometimes when you lead, you're on the front lines. And you sometimes you might be kind of more on the, um, the enemy's radar. But you know what? We might be struck down, but we're not destroyed. We might be, you know, uh, persecuted, but not abandoned. And you know, it can be hard sometimes, but you know what? Like, we want to trust in Jesus, and we might come out of that battle limping and leaning on Jesus, but that's where he wants us to be. You know, he wants us to 
be a leader and to trust in him. And whether it's you're a leader in your family, leading them spiritually, being a light in your workplace or being a ministry leader, it's all, they're all powerful. Um, and God, I believe there's an, an eternal reward for, for us when we, when we lead, when we have a, a deep care for other people, um, whether it's just even an intercessor too. And, and when we have that deep care for people and we take that to the Lord in prayer, there's so much, I believe, just eternal reward that God wants us, that God has for us. And, you know, he doesn't want us to have that concern turn into worry and anxiety, but he, he doesn't want us to feel an excessive burden so that we're burnt out and discouraged, but he wants us to continually cast our cares upon him and to give him, you know, what we're, what's he, what he's put on our heart and give him our burdens on a, on a daily basis. All right. We're going to flip also to Colossians four twelve. Okay. We're going to look at this guy named Epaphras. Derek, is that how you say it? Epaphras? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Epaphras, maybe? Is it, Epa- sure. is it Epaphras? <laughs> okay. Okay, it's both, I guess it's both of them. Who knows? Um, all right, so it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, for a bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Heropolis. Okay, before I get to the word zeal, which also in my Bible, the little side margin, it says concern. Uh, so I'm like, you know, I, I did research what that word meant. Before I get there, though, I do want to point out the word uh, always laboring fervently for you in prayer. I want to highlight that because here this guy is. He's a bondservant of Christ. He's always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Okay, that's just that sounds pretty radical to me. All right, so I looked up what is laboring. What's that word laboring mean? Or laboring fervently mean? It means in Greek, agonize omia. <laughs> Something like that. So agonize, I think it's probably where we get the word agonize. Anyways, it means to enter a contest, contend in the gymnastic games, to contend with adversaries, fight, to contend, struggle with difficulties and dangers, to endeavor with strenuous zeal, strive to obtain something. I just love that. I just love that Greek definition of that word because it helps me get a little bit better understanding of what that meant, laboring fervently for you in prayer, because I know sometimes in, I know in, in prayer, it can feel like a battle. It can feel like a competition in the spiritual sense. Like, you know, there can be intense opposition or struggle. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but sometimes that doesn't mean it's not happening. So I know there's times where I feel like that struggle in prayer or it's just hard. Um, and sometimes I don't feel anything. I just kind of, you know, just pray. And I believe that no matter what, we, if we feel it or not, like there is something happening in the spiritual realm that we just don't really understand. There is a contending, there is a, a opposition there is, you know, angels are being released into dark darkness, and uh, and I just know that when we decide to pray and 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 ask the Lord on behalf of other people, then God comes into those situations. And so I know I want to be like 
Epaphras who always labors fervently in prayers for others. And I mean, he's just so consumed. And it says um, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear witness that he has great zeal for you. Okay, so zeal, the Greek of zeal is zelos, which means excitement of mind, ardor, fervor of spirit. So it also it means uh, the ardor and embracing, pursuing, defending anything, an envious and contentious rivalry, jealous, possessed by some level of concern that caused him to have this deal. And so here, Epaphras is, he has, he is possessed by this level of concern that causes him to labor fervently. Okay, so he has some kind of zeal, this excitement of mind that he possessed and that led him into prayer. And so that's why, like I said earlier, how important it is to, to have some kind of level of concern. And so let's continue to ask the Lord that we would experience that, that for other people and for what God has put on our hearts, that we could be those that would labor fervently and be used by the Lord. Okay, next we're going to look at worry. I looked up, I didn't look up worry actually in the original Greek this time, but I did just look it up in the like Webster's Dictionary. And sometimes that just helps me understand the word a little bit in a deeper way. So worry means give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulties or troubles. And the, the, the second definition is state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. I just think that's so insightful. I just love it because... You know, worry is when you allow your mind to dwell on the difficulties or troubles. And so that's when you begin to take your eyes off of Jesus and you begin to put your eyes on the worry. So we need, instead of focusing on the problem, we need to focus on the capital P problem solver. Amen. So I just think that sometimes that is just so key. Like, cause sometimes you're like, how can I get, how can I stop worrying? You know, I'm just worrying about this and this, but, but you know, just instead of focusing on this situation over here and just like really like, you know, constantly thinking about it constantly, you focus on Jesus and you give him that worry and those, those, uh, anxieties in your heart. And the second definition, it says it's a state of anxiety or uncertainty over actual or potential problems which I think that's just really insightful because how many times do we worry about obviously what's going on in the actual like world, but also about silly things about potential problems, things that haven't really even happened yet to us or happened around us. We're worrying about the what if scenarios, what if this happens or that happens. And so um, we just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. All right, so it says in... Okay, Matthew thirteen twenty two. It's um, you know talking about the the seeds that are being sown in the soil. It says, "Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful." So that's why it's so uh, important to be free of worry. Is because when we have worries in our lives, that can actually choke the word of God out of us, and it can keep us from going deep in Him. So. I know that we want to be those that are rooted and grounded in God's love and and understanding the scripture. But when we begin to worry, that chokes out the word from our hearts and it produces unbelief and it takes our eyes off of Jesus. 
Okay, so next we're going to look at the area of fear. So we started with concern. We went down to worry and anxiety. Now we're at fear. Okay, so fear is the next step up from anxiety or worry. It is more of a debilitating uh, issue and it can it consumes your mind and therefore affects your words and affects your actions. Okay, Matthew 25, 25 verses 21. You guys can turn there if you want. This is the parable of um, the master who gives his stewards a talent and then he goes away and he comes back. So he gave his one of his servants one talent. And, and then this servant, I'll, I'll read this here, says, a master put his servants in charge of his goods while he was away on a trip. And so verse 25, it says, um, so he came back and he, he assessed their stewardship and evaluated if they're faithful, you know, in their investments. And so 20, verse 25 says, and I was afraid, this is the, the servant who had one talent. I was afraid and, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have yours. And so here this, the servant was the last one. He had the one talent and he took that one talent and he said, I was afraid. So I hid the talent. And so a talent can imply many things. It can imply money, time, it can apply your actual talents, like your abilities or opportunities. And so here he was entrusted this talent and he let fear control his actions and decisions. And the fear was the thing that caused him to hide what was given to him. The, you know, he was called the unfaithful steward and he was, he played it safe. He, um, he was afraid. And so he didn't know what, I don't know if he just, just was afraid. And so he decided to take his talent and to hide it. And so God, he, he looks at that as unfaithfulness. If we hide the things that he has given us and he, he God equates faithfulness as being a good steward of what he has entrusted into our care. So we don't want to let fear of what the enemy could do to keep us from really running after him or running after the call that he has in our lives. You know, fear, it really does silence and paralyze just that radical action of following Jesus. The enemy really wants to silence our voice and also um, just paralyze us from following the Lord. And so we just need to refuse to be silent and like, and just trust the Lord that if he's given us something that we, we want to be a good steward of it. We don't want, we don't want fear to prevent us from fully entering into the call that he has for us. We don't want fear to cause us to hide the things he's given us, but we want to say, Lord, here we are. We might have to step out in faith. It might be uncomfortable at times, but it's going to be worth it because we don't want to just hide what he's given us. And we don't want to live our lives being like, well, what if I actually did use my talent? What if I actually did step out in faith and decide to pursue what I felt like was in my heart all along? And so I think sometimes God's give, God gives us all dreams. He gives us all visions and dreams for our lives. And, and he wants us to, to explore those with him. Sometimes it, it's a, a waiting and that's all, that's faith. When we have, when we wait, sometimes it's a go and it's an, it's a now. And it's, you know, we just, um, we just want to be a good steward of our lives and what he's given us, our time, you know, how we're spending our time, our energy and, um, you know, just our, our gifts, our money. And so I just, I'm, I'm more stirred just reading this and like kind of diving deep this week. Um, I'm just more stirred of being like, Lord, I really want to give you 
all my talents. Like I want you to help me to like not suppress or hide anything that you've given me, but to really use it for your glory so I could be faithful. Okay. Second Corinthians 20 or sorry, second Chronicles 20. I'm going to turn there. Okay. So there is hope that if you are in fear, you can get out of it. And I love second Chronicles 20. It is, um, a story about King Jehoshaphat who he had. So basically there was the Moabites, the Ammonites and the people of Mount Seir were all coming against King Jehoshaphat. And so I'm going to share with you guys this parable, the story here, and, and then also just help just kind of unpack it so that we know how to respond when fear begins to grip our hearts. So we can kind of look at this parable or this story and just, and just gain wisdom from it to see how we can get out of fear and we can um, have peace in our hearts. Okay, so verse 2 says, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Okay, so here there's there's people coming against Jehoshaphat. You know, he's the leader of these people. And what does he do? Does he, he gets news? And so I would probably run away. Be like, well, there are people coming against me. I'm going to take my money bag and I'm going to run. But he didn't do that. He didn't just say, forget you people. Here's a bunch of, uh, you're, you're going to get destroyed. Um, he decided to first, it says he feared, he didn't, he didn't just stop there. He didn't just wallow in fear and let it consume him and, and discourage him and just, you know, dig a hole. But he, it said, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast for all Judea. So number one, how to respond when fear grips our hearts. Number one, we seek the Lord. And I love that it says that he proclaimed a fast and also he gathered together with all the people from all the cities of Judah. So they all came together. So they're fasting, they're praying, and they're gathering together about this situation. They're not running away. And uh, that's what God wants. When there's, when there's things that are in our hearts that cause us to fear, he wants us to first turn to him and seek him. So he, God, our, our fear should motivate us to run to God, not from him. And that enemy really does want us just to live in discouragement. He wants us to run away, to be discouraged. And he wants us to believe just the worst case scenario too. Um, just even just a real life example. My sister Angie, she, she is pregnant with twins. And, well, she was. And uh, she, I got a text early in the morning. This was a, a few weeks ago that said, they're get, taking her into a C-section, please pray. And so I'm praying, you know, hour goes by and I've, I've seen a C-section before, so I know how long they take. So hour goes by and I'm still praying two hours. I begin to really, I begin to start to worry. Three hours go by. I haven't heard. Now I'm texting. I'm like, is everything okay? 
four hours or however long, I'm like, why is it anyone texting me? I'm like really beginning to worry and have fear just grip my heart. And I'm thinking just the worst case scenario, you know, like how sometimes you can go along those lines. And so anyways, I know it's real and I know I struggle with it too. Just, just thinking the worst, you just care about someone so much. And then all of a sudden, like you're not hearing back, but, um, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to just dwell on the worst case scenario. We need to seek him through our, our troubles. And so I remember I went on a run and I just, it really helped me just to kind of get away. I, I go on a run, a runs in the cemetery and that's where I kind of have my prayer time or just worship or just think through things. And that kind of helped me just cast my cares upon the Lord and give me more peace about this whole situation. And she's fine. The babies are here and they're great. And I just am so grateful. They did, they did finally get back to me <laughs> about that situation. Um, anyway, number, okay. So number one, when fear, uh, wants to grip your heart, let's seek God. Number two, let's recognize our need for Jesus. All right. So verse 12, it says, this is, uh, King Jehoshaphat. He's praying and he's saying, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So this verse is just so powerful. So first of all, when fear wants to grip our hearts, we need to realize our need for Jesus. They said, we have no power. That's what King Jehoshaphat said. You know what? We're, we can't do this by ourselves. Like we're weak. Like the people coming against us are vast and they're large. We have no power. And, um, against the great multitude coming against us, and we, you know what? We don't have we don't have physical strength, and also we don't have mental strength. We don't know what to do. We we don't know how to think through this whole situation and process. That we just have no clue. You know what it says? It says, "But our eyes are on you." So they recognized their need for Jesus. They understood their weakness, and then they turned uh, to the Lord. They turned their gaze gaze to the Lord. They said, "Their eyes are on you." Which, when you say your eyes are on Jesus, that's a sign of trust. When you say, you know what, the situation is happening over here, I could just look at it, like you know, the, the spirit of worry, just focus on it, or I can focus on the solution, capital S, solution, Jesus. My eyes are on you. Okay, that's the second one. Number three, to get out of fear, is worship before the battle. Okay, let's turn to... Verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he, Jehoshaphat, appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, when they began to sing and pray and to praise, the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Okay, so this is so good. So Jehoshaphat, he decided that his military strategy was to put singers in the front lines. Does that sound normal? So here people, these mighty warriors are coming out against them. He's like, you know what? We're going to have the singers. They, they're just going to sing songs. They're just going to sing to the Lord, and they're going to be out in front of the army singing. And I just think that's like... I. If, people, if someone would do that now, I think they would think that person was really maybe not smart. I don't know, because that just doesn't seem right 
to have singers go out in the front lines. But they, and then plus they, they sang what they sing. They sang about the beauty of his holiness. They sang, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. NIV says, love endures forever. So they were singing about God's love and his mercy. They weren't even singing a song like the horse and the rider they have thrown into the sea. Like I would have, I would have picked a different song title. Like let's, let's, let's sing about something like the judgment of God is at hand, like you will die or, or something like a little more intense than, but they decided to sing about God's love. And, uh, and what happened when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people. So I just imagine angels behind bushes with their arrows and they're just like little sneak attacks, just, you know, just getting the bad guys uh, on their behalf as they're singing. And so there's just something about when we worship God, when we, when we set our eyes on him and sing and just focus on the Lord, there's something about that that really does move mountains and affects the spiritual realm and, and, uh, releases angels and angelic activity that we don't even understand. Um, but I guess Jehoshaphat had a somewhat of an understanding because that was his military strategy and it was effective. Okay. So they, a whole army was defeated when the Israelites simply praised the Lord. Okay. When they believed that the battle wasn't theirs, but it was the Lord's and this, the whole worship topic here, um, makes me remember a dream that I had just a brief dream I'll share was when I was like in bed and there was this dark figure just, um, around my feet, like, like entangling me so hard. And I could not, I remember just having so much fear in this dream and I could not get away from this dark figure and I was struggling and I was even, um, I was even praying and just like trying to like physically get him off. Nothing was happening somehow I was able to get out of bed and I began to dance and sing. I began to sing that song, um, take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. I just want to praise you. So I began to sing that song. And as I began to sing that song, that the enemy fled. And I just think it was it's just such a simple yet profound dream that I just need to remind myself of that you know, sometimes I can be discouraged when I feel like attacked or, or when I feel like the enemy is, um, you know, coming into our family with sickness or I, f- I feel like there's darkness more. But God wants us to realize, like, we can just go to him and, and worship and fix our eyes on him. And that's when he releases the angels and breaks in with light. Okay, last point I'm going to make to get out of the grips of fear is number four is understand the battle is the Lord's. Thanks. Second Chronicles twenty fifteen. He said, "Okay, this was let's see." Okay, so this was the spirit of the Lord. So the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel the son of Zechariah, and he began to prophesy, actually, to King Jehoshaphat. He said, Listen, all you of Judah and inhabitants of of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So, you know, many of us, many of you are in a battle, and he wants us to know that the battle is not ours, it's his and he wants us to be victorious. Like he is on our side. He is for us, not against us. He is, 
He's the one that is helping us through the storms, the difficulties. You know, you might come out of the battle with a wound, with a bruise, with a scrape, but we might come out of that battle limping and leaning on Jesus, and that's where he wants us to be. You know, and so sometimes the battle feels like, man, what's going on? I don't understand it. But through it all, he's growing our trust in him. Just like this whole situation, I'm sure, grew Jehoshaphat's trust in the Lord because he realized, hey, I can't do this thing alone. And he saw what God did on his behalf. And so sometimes battles can be hard because when we're in them, we don't understand them and they're just discouraging. But when we look back at the battles or the different hard seasons of our lives and we Many times we can say, wow, God, I knew you were there and you are faithful. I mean, I can tell you even, even stories from my own life where I've been through battles or hard seasons and they have not been fun in the present when I go through them. But looking back, I see where the, where the Lord grew me up, where the Lord grew my trust and deepened my love for him and caused me to, to cry out to him in a, a greater way. And so, I mean, he wants our hearts he wants, he wants us to love him and to understand him and grow in trust. And so sometimes there are battles that come, but we need to just declare that the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's and he is for us. So in closing, I'm going to read Second Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So I'm just going to go ahead and close us in prayer, and we're going to ask the Lord to give us a godly concern just in that place of fear and worry that we have. So Father, I just come before you and tonight, Lord, we just ask that you would just remove every fear, every worry in our hearts, Lord God, and that you would help us to fix our eyes on you when we have those, those fearful thoughts come in, when we become worried and stressed out, God. We just ask that you would help us to turn our gaze to you and to not be discouraged or heavy laden and, and worn out and, and burdened God. But we just pray for a godly concern that would move us into that place of prayer. We ask for that same zeal that a Epiphras had, God, that we would experience just such a zeal that we would labor fervently for others and we would know that there's eternal reward when we give ourselves in that place of prayer. Even if it's hard, even when we feel like there's oppositions and struggles, when we go to pray and when we're in that place of prayer, Lord, I know that there is such reward in heaven when we continue to contend, Lord. And we just pray that you'd raise up more intercessors and prayer warriors that have a zeal and have a, a deep compassion and care, Lord, that we'd be like Paul who had a deep concern for the churches, a deep care for the God's people. And we would, we would love people. We'd have a compassion for them that would move us to action, move us to, to prayer and, and to witnessing and to preaching and to writing and helping others and discipleship making. Lord, we just pray, would you remove all the fear and worry and that you would just come, Holy Spirit, and bring your deliverance, Father. We just thank you so much for tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.